From the Annie E. Casey Foundation, I'm Lisa Hamilton, and this is CaseyCast. Joining me today is Suzanne McCormick, the U.S. President of United Way Worldwide. In this role, Suzanne is responsible for helping 1,100 communities across the country create community-led and equitable solutions in three key areas, health, education, and financial stability. Prior to joining United Way Worldwide, Suzanne spent five years leading one of the largest United Ways in Florida and 13 years at United Way of Greater Portland in Maine. There's a good chance that you've heard of or donated to United Way before. For more than 125 years, this network of nonprofits has offered individuals and workplaces a channel for giving back and getting involved locally. Today, United Way Worldwide, formerly called United Way of America, works in 95% of U.S. communities and 40 countries and territories across the world. Welcome, Suzanne, and thanks for joining us on CaseyCast. Thank you, Lisa. It is a pleasure to be here. Well, many of us have interacted with the local United Way chapter. I know I have. I have been a donor to United Way for almost 25 years, and I got my start on nonprofit boards by participating in a United Way program in Atlanta that was creating um, diverse leaders to be a pipeline for board service. So I believe in United Way and have had an opportunity myself uh, to interact with um, a United Way chapter. But I'm curious what role are the affiliates playing in local communities and what role do you see them playing nationally? Well, thank you first and foremost for being such a a great part of United Way. It is the people and communities that make United Way so special. Local United Ways, the way I describe their role in community is that they serve as leaders for their communities to come together to solve some of the most pressing problems. And as you indicated, they're really focused on health, education, and financial stability. And the role they play is they're a neutral place. They're a bridging place. They're a connecting place. They're a place where all different members of the community uh, and sectors of the community can come together to work together. Folks know United Way, uh, especially for our ability to raise dollars in communities and then to invest them in in strategic uh, programs and partners. But often local United Ways are, you know, leading or sitting at the head of the table alongside their mayor or their city council or their, their county leaders and helping lead change around really significant issues. And I think that what makes United Ways so special is it's just this commitment to collaborative partnership in everything that we do. That's fantastic. We all know how important collaboration is to solve the kinds of problems that are ahead of us, even pre-pandemic. And so um, I think it's wonderful that United Way has uh, stood in that space for, as I noted, more than 100 years to really help communities come together. Well, you mentioned some of the um, key priorities of the organization. Could you tell us a little more about um, what you're trying to accomplish on a national level? Yes, my team at United Way Worldwide is focused on helping those 1,200 local United Ways be as successful as they can be. So a lot of what we do is provide them with 
technical support, resource support, expertise support. Um, so, for example, in the area of equity, and, I, and I'm sure we'll get to talk a lot about this, um, that, that's been a major priority for us um, is supporting our local United Ways and advancing equity in all of their work. So sometimes that support is provided through coaching, through conferencing, learning. Um, we help them with their board development. We help them with their staff development. Anything that has to do with them running their organization, they're my customers. And my job is to make sure that they're they're getting the support and the value from United Way Worldwide that they want and need to be leaders in their communities. So all of that capacity building that you provide at the national level really helps to make those local United Way stronger so they can do the work around health and education and, and financial stability. I know it's important to tailor work to a local community, but do you have any national programming that many of your United Ways implement in, in any of those areas? Yes, I would say the majority of our United Ways across the country are focused on issues that I know the NAE Casey Foundation cares deeply about as well, is is children and, and young people and their families. As you said, not every single United Way is approaching the work exactly the same, but they're all approaching the same work, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. But I think is uniform across the the network is the engagement in community, um, the engagement of volunteers in their work. Over over the years, though, we have had some national initiatives that I would say a significant number of our United Ways have um, been a part of. For example, years ago we had a program called Success by Six, and that's that was how we framed our work around early childhood. There, there's also in the area of financial stability a great number of our local United Ways also play a very active role in the free tax preparation in the volunteer income tax assistance sites. And then a third area that I think we see a lot of United Ways um, a part of is in the 211 network, which is, you know, the 24-7, 365 day a year resource for people to get information and, and help they need. So those are some examples. Um, but there are also, I think the beauty of United Way too is there's also when, when we see a United Way doing something that we think is really spectacular, we have the ability to raise that up and elevate it and, and share it with the rest of the network. And that often is the spark that gets other local United Ways to start to emulate programming that they've seen one of their peers start. Well, a great example of that is United Way 211, which you just mentioned, which started as um, an idea of uh, my hometown, United Way, in greater Atlanta in 1997. And that was a nationally available service. Could you explain how 211 connects people and how it's been a tool for um, families in need during the pandemic? Well, two one one it's 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 three digits like four one one or nine one one and and it's a it's a go to number for mostly non emergency related needs. However, if for example someone is suicidal or in crisis, they can call two one one and they will be uh, connected to a a call specialist who is an expert in all of the local resources in their communities that may be of help for them. So resources like food pantries or homeless shelters or financial assistance, um, so much more. And it, as you said, 211 is available to almost the entire country. About 96% of U.S. residents uh, are able to get 
their support through 211. There's also a website, 211.org. And, and just to, to really put a, a finer point on how, how important 211 is to helping people access help, on a typical year, our 211 network responds to about 12 million calls. During the, the pandemic, again, because people have seen such an increased um, need for help, um, we've, we've already, it, last year, had 20 million calls. Um, and that's, that's about a 300% increase to calls to 211 since the pandemic. And part of that is, is because 211 is really recognized as a resource. In 31 states, uh, 211 was designated by the governor's offices of those states uh, to be the go-to place for information about COVID-19. The thing that really makes 211 special is our call specialists, they might start a conversation with someone around one need um, and discover that that person has other needs that that also could be met with with the right information, um, and in some cases, two and one can connect people directly to financial assistance or directly to care providers. Um, it's, it's it's a lifeline for so many people. That is really a, a really special um, contribution that United Way is is making in our country. So I'm, I'm glad that we were able to talk about that and to hear how it's really stood in the gap for families during the, the pandemic. That is um, that is really incredible. Well, I know so many families today are really struggling with, you know, economic stability, financial stability. Um, and you mentioned that that is certainly one of the uh, areas United Way is focused on. And we, we share that interest in promoting the economic well-being of families, particularly low-income families. Um, you mentioned free tax preparation, but are there other ways um, this work um, shows up in, in United Way's efforts? Yes, one of the areas that, that we haven't talked about where especially the United Way at the national level where we really provide strong supports to our locals is through our uh, public policy and our advocacy work. Mm-hmm. Um, our network has identified and worked with us at the national level to identify um, key issues and federal programs and policies that are you know, central to helping families achieve financial stability. Um, we just released our uh, federal policy agenda for the new Congress, and a big part of that is on financial stability. I had the opportunity to participate in a call with um, Senator Brown from Ohio, Senator Bennett from Colorado, and then Senator Booker from New Jersey, and we were talking specifically about moving families out of poverty through policy and specifically around um, expanding the earned income tax credit and the child tax credit as a way to to reduce childhood poverty and improve financial stability. At a local level, um, United Ways are very active in addition to you know helping provide free tax preparation. That's also a vehicle for them to engage with families um, beyond their, you know, just completing their taxes. Um, we have many of our local United Ways have financial coaching programs where they engage volunteers 
often retired uh, volunteers to be financial coaches for families that are being served in the programs that they fund. Lots of United Ways also have financial literacy trainings that they bring to their community. And then lots of United Ways. Uh, when I was leading the United Way in the Tampa area of Florida, we were part of the Bank On Network. So that focus of that was is really building um, a coalition and a community to promote getting those who are unbanked banked because we know that can make a big difference in in creating habits around savings and you know can lead to financial stability. That's great. And and the United Way is a name we know all legislators know and you have great credibility and corporate leaders on your board who often wield influence. And so your voice in public policy um, is essential. And I know that's one of the ways that Casey has partnered with um, United Way in the past. You know, I think we're all worried about how families and communities are going to weather the current um, public health crisis. Um, And we've seen lots of lines at food banks, et cetera. But United Way has a, a truly unique lens into the need of people today. What what are you seeing in terms of their greatest needs and are there any new challenges or tougher challenges that might be um, emerging as this crisis wears on? A lot of this has come through the 211 call centers where we get so much data about what people are asking for help with. It's a, it's a really good indicator. It can be a very good indicator of, of the health of the community. Um, people are still calling for help with their basic needs. So food insecurity is one of the, the number one issues um, that, that people present with. And we know that nutrition is foundational to health. Um, so, so that continues to, to be a real need. We're also have seen since the pandemic, just a huge rise in calls around rental assistance, housing assistance. Um, Families are feeling very unstable. And again, we know that that has direct impact on health. And then we've also seen more of an uptick in people calling with issues about mental health. I think the strain of the pandemic is, is, well, we all know it's real, but the the severity of, of its impact on mental health, I think, is really becoming um, much more apparent. And and then the other is, you know, we've seen that COVID has uh, really amplified the disparities that exist in communities and people's ability to access care is, you know, still contingent upon the zip code in which they live and communities of color have been impacted more severely. The last thing I think that's, that's, um, you know, directly or indirectly related to, to what we're seeing in terms of the health crisis is the the digital divide. Um, You know, that goes beyond kids just being able to, um, you know, go online and learn virtually. Um, We know now that everyone, you know, really in order to to work, uh, to get help, to do your taxes, to get benefits, you have to have access to technology. And that's just not there for everyone. And so Mm -hmm. that's going to be, again, a, a new focus for us in terms of supporting our local United Ways, leading on that digital divide issue in their communities, and also advocating at the federal level for um, policies and resources for communities to help those who don't have the access that many of us do. 
Yeah, I think that's been one of the eye-opening um, lessons of this pandemic is that access to the internet is a basic need now. And I'm excited to hear that United Way is taking that up among so many other things to, to help families um, stabilize and, and thrive beyond this moment. Um, but I know the United Way is thinking beyond this um, immediate moment um, into issues of recovery and resilience. What role do you think United Way can play when we are finally beyond um, responding to this crisis to help you know communities and families move forward? There's a lot of opportunity for us there. Because we have have historically served as a place for community to come together, and when I say community, again, with a goal of having a, a very, very equitable and inclusive group of people uh, working together to solve problems, United Ways that are most successful are really good at listening in their communities and then convening around solutions. And I, and I think that's going to continue to be our role. Our country feels divided right now, and I think the fact that our name is United, the United Way, that even just that brand, I think, you know, makes us a natural place for communities to turn, to look for an opportunity to have conversations. One of the techniques that many United Ways employ in their work in community is, is in what we call community conversations. And it's, it's very simple. It's they turn outward, they go into their communities, and they ask their communities um, uh, for their input, um, not only on what problems there are, but what are the solutions. And I think that, um, that willingness to go and show up and have conversation, we need more of that in both civil and social society. And it is my hope that, that United Way will play that role. Um, the other role that I think we have an opportunity to, to do more of, and we had some great success this year in um, helping promote through our public awareness campaigns and our um, call to action, uh, we did a lot of work to try to get people out to vote, to register and to vote. And I think our ability to, to tap into our network for more public awareness advocacy campaigns um, could also be really useful in helping our country heal and come together. So that's somewhat aspirational, but I certainly hope that we can play a big role in that. And I think United Way is so well suited to that. That's wonderful. You know, there's certainly a national conversation um, taking place about racial equity, and there's probably no space that's more in need of reimagination than making sure that we address these um, divides that exist in our society. And that's, um, again, one of the areas Casey has partnered with United Way on is on its racial equity work. And all this work has been center stage over the last year. What is it looking like for your organization as you try to help communities um, and organizations think about how to embed equity more deeply in their work and even within your own organization? First, Lisa, I, I want to say thank you so sincerely for the partnership uh, that Annie E. Casey has, has provided um, over a long period of time to United Way to help us in this work. I think we, we started working together in 2018 
And it was because of support from the foundation that, that United Way Worldwide was really able to do some of its internal work to look at diversity, equity, and inclusion. It was because of your generous support that we were able to start our internal training and to start training for our network of you know 1,100 United Ways. And then most recently in 2019, I guess two years ago, again, with your support, we were able to create, develop, and then actually deploy into our network um, something we call the Equity Toolkit. And it really is an amazing tool that helps local United Ways and really any nonprofit or organization look at its own equity work, its own diversity and inclusion work. And I will tell you that whenever I talk to a local United Way, um, that is one of the tools that has been provided to them that they have the most compliments about. They say it has been so incredibly helpful to them um, because it really helps them break it down and start looking internally. And then shortly after that, we were able to... um, also develop and release our equity framework, which is, again, a toolkit that helps our local United Ways look at their work external in community and how to engage their community in more equitable ways. Um, So we've made a lot of progress over the last several years in developing really strong tools to support our network. And then finally, I think one of the, the changes that we made as a United Way worldwide organization and as a global network. Um, This goes beyond just the United States. I'm very proud that we changed our membership requirements. And uh, what I mean by that is every local United Way has to meet a set of standards in order to, to be a local United Way. And we added three new requirements. In order to be a local United Way, you have to have developed and publicly posted an organizational statement against racism specifically or ethnic discrimination in some of our international countries. You also have to ensure that all of your staff and board are trained annually on equity. And then finally, all of our our local United Ways have to have a equity criteria in their decision-making process as they evaluate where they're going to invest money in communities. I always say, you know, I'm very proud of where we are, but, but there is a long way to go. And so now our focus this year is really continuing to support our network in really embracing and incorporating equity as a core value in everything that they do. And, and, and I should also say that, you know, I, I think I'm excited about the opportunity for us as an organization and a network to learn from other organizations who are really focused on this as well. Well, congratulations, Suzanne, and the tremendous progress you've already made. And it's been our pleasure and honor to partner with you on this work. As as everyone knows, it's a learning journey for everyone, no matter where you are in the process. And um, so kudos to um, you and, and your team and the network for really deeply taking up this work because we know we can't get to the results that we all are pursuing if we don't pay attention to the role that race plays in um, disparate outcomes for kids and families and communities. You know, like many nonprofits, United Way relies on lots of volunteers to advance its mission. And we talked a little about volunteers earlier. How, if at all, has this crisis changed the way that you now engage and leverage volunteers? 
Without a doubt, we rely on volunteers. You know, in my opening comments, I said, I think what makes United Way so special is is the people that are part of it. And, and the majority of, of people who, quote unquote, work for United Way aren't paid. They are volunteers. We have over two and a half million volunteers globally who are, um, you know, active parts of our organization, our community. Uh, we just couldn't do what we do without volunteers. Uh, COVID definitely presented a challenge because traditionally volunteerism has taken place in person. And that's true for United Way as well. And so we had to get creative, like so many organizations. Uh, you know, as the saying goes, necessity is the mother of invention. And in the face of COVID, United Ways found ways to check in and connect with people who were isolated. Um, we had to stand up a lot of, and I, when I say we, I'm talking about our entire network, um, both at the national level, because because we, we promote volunteerism and really work with a lot of our corporate partners on their volunteer projects, and then at the local level. But I saw so many United Ways get super creative and innovative. They found ways to, to check in and connect with people who are isolated. They organized the delivery of meals and prescriptions to help students and teachers. And they did things like, you know, we talked about free tax prep. They created virtual or drive-through tax assistance. We saw a big uptake in creativity around virtual volunteering to help support kids with, you know, online reading or tutoring and mentoring. Um, but I've just been so impressed around the creativity and the and the innovation that locally United Ways have demonstrated, you know, through their volunteerism. That is wonderful. One of the um, stakeholders that United Way, I think, is among the best in engaging are um, corporate employers. Um, United Way enjoys a particularly strong relationship with a wide range of employers across the country. How are you seeing them respond to community needs and how might they be even more powerful partners in addressing the challenges of the communities they operate in and serve? Yes, corporate, our corporate partners, our workplace partners, they really are like our volunteers. We couldn't do what we do without them. I think we have over 45,000, you know, corporate slash workplace partners. And, and we're really proud of those partnerships and, and the generosity. I would say that's another thing that's really impressed me about our corporate partners is they've, they've come forward again in sometimes very unusual and really innovative and creative ways. You know, in the past, they kind of thought just about volunteering or, or um, you know, or giving us money. Um, but, but one really good example um, to connect back to the conversation we were having about two one one is we developed a relationship with DoorDash, and through that partnership, which has now developed, we have DoorDash bringing boxes of food from food banks and pantries directly to people's doors to minimize their exposure of going out during the pandemic in 23 of our of our major markets. So that's an example of, you know, a company using its its actual product in service. Um, and, and they partner with United Way and 211 to be able to do that. Another new partnership that that developed as as a result of the pandemic was a partnership called Saving Ourselves COVID Relief, which was developed by Black Entertainment Television. 
they raised over $18.5 million that were specifically designated to the hardest hit African-American communities by the COVID crisis. One last kind of fun uh, example of that creativity is um, the partnership that we developed with Cottonelle. I think we all remember those crazy first days when people were running around trying to buy out the toilet paper section of the grocery stores. And we did a we did a social media campaign in partnership with Cottonelle with the hashtag share a square. And it was intended to celebrate the acts of generosity that were happening around um, the country. And Cottonelle donated a dollar for each post people made. And overall, we raised a million dollars that, again, that we could put back into our local communities. So I, my hope for our corporate partners is, is to continue that spirit of innovation and creativity. You know, what do you have that could benefit a community and let us help get that benefit to the community? You know, it's traditionally been money and volunteerism, which we still value hugely and, and we need, but there's other things that companies can do too. And, and that's what excites me about the future. That's great. You know, I had the privilege of working um, in the foundation for UPS. And the thing I enjoyed most was thinking about what were the skill sets our, our staff had that could help address a community problem. And as you know, there's not just financial um, resources and not, it's not even just volunteerism, but there are amazing, unique skills that companies have, whether it's, you know, being able to deliver something or do humanitarian relief or provide health services. And so it, um, I've been encouraged to see the ways companies um, have and are continuing to think about stepping up in that way. So why don't we pivot to the future? Um, our youngest citizens who are members of Generation Z and Generation Alpha seem to be writing their own rule book and they care about different issues and advocate for them in different ways than um, you or I might have um, when we were growing up. What relevance, if any, do you think this has for nonprofits like United Way? How are you engaging our emerging leaders in this country? Well, I will start by saying I am the mother of two Generation Zs or Generation As, and and I and I would echo your comment that they're, they're writing their own they're writing their own rules. Um, I see that happening on a daily basis. <laughs> I have one too, Suzanne. So I sympathize <laughs> with you. <laughs> I think that, like all nonprofits, you know, this is a generation that we cannot ignore and that we have to pay attention to. I think young people at least I see it in my children, you know, they're, they are activists by nature. They, they care very deeply. They're going to, you know, if they see something that's unjust, they go to social media first and foremost. And, and so our ability to, to, to find them in those environments and to give them opportunities to lend their voice to big cause. I think United Way has, I think we've got a lot of opportunity there, but I think that we have to be really intentional about it. Um, and I and I know that there are some learnings from our network that we need to we need to elevate. We have, for example, in United Way of Greater Milwaukee, they have a really strong what they call emerging leaders program. They've been really engaged all through the COVID pandemic in helping uh, volunteer with seniors who are struggling with social isolation. You know, they, they send texts to seniors, they write letters, they set up Zoom calls. Um, and we were talking about virtual volunteerism, but I think that 
our ability to provide two-gen opportunities for young people so that they are interacting and doing something good for seniors. Again, I think there's a lot of potential there, but we have to be more intentional about it. You know, we tended to be an older organization, really tied to the workplace. And I think we have an opportunity to expand our thinking and how we show up in community. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm excited about this next generation. And I think um, not just the ways we engage them, but also the ways we learn from them. Absolutely. Um, got lots of amazing ideas about how we can solve challenges they face in their lives and communities. And so uh, I think it's going to be incumbent upon all of us to listen to what the next generation has to say. Well, the last question I'm going to ask you is about your own leadership. You and I both became um, presidents of our organization uh, at the beginning of uh, 2019. And in our um, first year on the job, the pandemic hit. So I wanted to ask you about your own leadership journey over the last year. It has been challenging for sure. Uh, and, it, you know, I, well, I, you know, it's, it, when, when you say it, I, I, I sort of feel guilty when I say it's been challenging because so many other people have faced greater challenges than I over this past year. But like all people, you know, it, it starting a new job and then having it, you're finding yourself working from your kitchen table, you know, six months into a job is very different than having been out traveling around and, and meeting personally our local United Ways. I, I think the thing that I miss the most since the pandemic is, is exactly that, is, is having the opportunity to go and see the work of local communities in action, to be able to meet the volunteers, the board members, the staff, the community members. I miss that, you know, that personal connection. So, so that's been challenging. But I think, you know, the silver lining for me in this first year of, of leading um, as the U.S. president is connected to, to a comment I made earlier. It is about accessibility. You know, I find, um, Lisa, I think you and I met for the first time maybe on Zoom. We and, did. <laughs> you know, we met on Zoom. And, and COVID, the pandemic has afforded me the opportunity to meet more quickly and more readily with people that it would have taken much longer to be able to have achieved that if it was about, you know, finding a time that we could meet in person for an hour and traveling someplace. So that has been a real bonus. And even though I can't be personally in, you know, in our, in our communities, I, I get to spend a lot of time on a daily basis traveling around the country and, and meeting with my local leaders and their volunteers. So it, the access has been, a, has been a bonus. So it's, you know, I'd be lying if I say it wasn't a mix, but, but more than anything, you know, I, I love the United Way Network and I am so grateful to have the opportunity to support so many amazing people and volunteers who they, they're doing the work because they care about in, in improving their communities and, and changing lives. So I, I feel really blessed. Well, that's wonderful. And I think we are blessed to have your leadership at the helm of this incredible organization. Thank you for your leadership and thank you for everything that the United Way has done to serve millions and millions of Americans uh, over the last year. It's obvious that we couldn't have gotten through this pandemic without the vital services and resources and, and connections and voice of United Way. And so um, thank you so much for everything that United Way is doing. And thank you so much for joining us on 
And Casey Cass, Suzanne, it was great to hear about um, your work and the journey of um, this institution. Thank you, Lisa. It was an honor to be here, and I really look forward to our continued partnership and making people's lives better. So thanks for having me. Thank you. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us as well. If you liked today's conversation, please rate our show on Apple Podcasts. You can ask questions and leave us feedback on Twitter by using the KCCast hashtag. To learn more about Casey and the work of our guests, you can find our show notes at aecf.org forward slash podcast. Until next time, I wish all of America's kids and all of you a bright future.